When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. And welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Thanks as always for sticking me in your ear. One of the, the great stories, legends in uh, UFO lore has to do with Arguably one of the, the greatest entertainers of the mid-20th century, Jackie Gleason. Many of you have seen The Honeymooners on uh, cable and repeats, of course, uh, and The Jackie Gleason Show. He was a comedian, a terrific actor, just an all-around uh, entertainer. But as it turns out, he was also an avid UFO um, enthusiast and had a, um, quite a library, I believe, down in his, uh, his home in Miami, Florida. And there is this story that continues to uh, linger uh, of a, an encounter between Jackie Gleason and President Richard Milhouse Nixon. They were friends. They were golfing buddies. And you probably know where I'm going with this. The, uh, the story goes that Nixon dropped by Jackie Gleason's house and said, said basically, how would you like to go see an alien body? And... Uh, that's where we're heading tonight with that story. Paul Blake Smith is the author of MO41, The Bombshell Before Roswell. He was born and raised in MO41's hometown of Cape uh, Girardeau, Missouri. He's the son of a paralegal and an educator who worked in the suspected crash era. Paul's a fan of American history and popular culture, living and working in a city in the western part of the Show Me State, writing original screenplays and other books on largely historical non-fiction subjects, including a follow-up to his original fact-based publication about a massive cover-up by the U.S. government. 
His uh, books include Three Presidents, Two Accidents, More MO41 UFO Crash Data and Surprises, and MO41 The Bombshell Before Roswell, as I mentioned, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters, and of course, the brand new one just released, The Nixon Gleason Alien Encounter. Paul Blake Smith, welcome. How are you? I'm doing just fine, and I thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. When I mentioned that the Nixon-Gleason alien encounter, there must be something to this story because, you know, it's very difficult to just start a rumor and, and have it continue to persist for decades and decades and decades. Just give me your overall sense of what, gay, what, what people think of this story when they hear about it. Do they, are they dismissive about it or are they, uh, do, they, do they buy into it? Right. Some people just seem to blindly accept it. And it, the story has unfortunately been uh, marred with embellishments by some UFO researchers who claim Jackie told them everything. But the truth is, Jackie never commented on this story. He had every opportunity to come forward and say, this is a lot of nonsense. Don't listen to this. But he refused to deny it. He refused to comment. A few people have said that in private, uh, Jackie would grudgingly admit, Nixon showed me the proof. So the story started in 74 in a passing comment by his then uh, wife, they were living apart and possibly headed for divorce, when she mentioned to a magazine article writer, possibly the National Enquirer, uh, that Jackie told me once that President Nixon went to an airbase and took my husband with him and showed him these uh, alien creatures. And when Jackie read this uh, in the publication, she said he exploded with rage and yelled at her and said, you're never to speak of this. And uh, that was the end of their marriage. They did divorce right after that. And so in 1983, I think she needed some money. So she started to write a book about Jackie. Uh, and she decided to write a one-page article for the National Enquirer and tell more details of this incredible story. She said Jackie came home late one night uh, while he was hosting his golf tournament and was haggard looking, just pale and really shook up. So he was emotionally shattered that night. And she said this went on for days and days that he would rail against the government for holding this secret and making people feel like idiots for having reported UFOs when they know the truth. They've got the bodies. And then he would swing, she said, in mood swings uh, to giddiness and excitement that I alone of all Americans got shown by the U.S. president the real facts. And it was incredible, he said. And Beverly sat there thinking of this. He's just making something up, but he seems really shaken. And he began to smoke and drink more than he normally did because Jackie is notorious for smoking and drinking mm -hmm. and apparently had some trouble with sleeplessness and he didn't work in the movies for years to come. He did a little TV work in 73, not a lot. So in 2003, uh, oh, to back up a little, in 1983, when this hit the Enquirer, Jackie blew up again, called her up, yelled at her, told her to keep her mouth shut. And I think they reached a financial settlement. Uh, no book was ever forthcoming. And Jackie died four years later without ever commenting on this story. And apparently a number of people approached him. Could you please confirm or deny this story? And he would not. So in 2003, Beverly Gleason gave another interview and stuck to her story, refused to deny it or retract it in any way, and said that uh, Jackie was very shaken up and that Nixon personally showed him at Homestead Air Force Base south of Miami, near where Jackie lived, 
uh, the real hard proof, four dead small alien bodies laid out on examining tables that Jackie got a good close look at, probably was not allowed to touch. Uh, he did not report any injuries to them, but he said they looked like they'd been embalmed, which is an interesting uh, description. I guess they looked like they'd just died or something and were well-preserved. He said they had uh, big pointy ears and they were only like two, two and a half feet tall. Uh, and he had they had big creepy looking eyes. And if you've ever heard the old Hopkinsville, Kentucky UFO story of 1955, that's an exact description of that race of creatures that yeah. uh, supposedly harassed the farm uh, family out in the uh, countryside. Yeah, they sounded like goblins. They're yeah, just... that's right. And this sounds like uh, exactly what Jackie said he saw. So uh, Beverly, I could not track her down. I contacted another UFO researcher and asked, could you track her down? He said, I can't find her either. She's close to 90. She's never given any interviews. She won't write a book. Apparently, she's uh, clammed up because I think she's told, honestly, everything she knows about this story. So we have to examine this carefully. And when did it happen? How could it have taken place? Could Nixon really have shown Jackie, his golfing buddy, uh, these creatures? And why? What was his motive, his incentive? And I think I figured it out uh, while doing my research. Okay, so... Um, Homestead Air Force Base, south of Miami. Uh, I mean, normally we associate these, you know, having aliens on ice, if you will, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base or maybe Area 51. I've never heard Homestead Air Force Base ever come up in conversations with UFO researchers about, oh, they may have bodies there and so forth, or a crash retrieval, they've taken debris there, they're back engineering. What are your thoughts on that? I quite agree. Yeah, I agree with you. However, Nixon made 55 trips during his presidency to Key Biscayne, his winter uh, beachfront home, uh, just uh, off Miami. And it was a short helicopter ride. He took uh, Air Force One to Homestead Air Force Base all the time got on a chopper at their chopper pad and flew to a chopper pad outside his Key Biscayne home. So he was there a lot, back and forth, in and out of Homestead. But I agree with you that we don't have any other kinds of tales of Homestead secret lab or something like that. It makes you think that maybe Nixon imported these bodies for his good friend, uh, Jackie. They golfed together. They were fellow conservatives. Jackie had never gotten into politics before publicly, but in 68, he endorsed uh, Nixon and they went golfing together. And he was part of a big uh, pre-election uh, TV special to endorse his friend. So they were close. And just uh, a week or two before the moon landing in 69, Nixon and Jackie went golfing uh, in uh, the Key Biscayne area. So it's uh, you've seen a lot of photographs of the two of them together golfing. They really were uh, Republican type golfing buddies in country clubs in the Miami area in the 1960s and 70s. I think Gleason the, hosted a, what, didn't he yeah. host the Desert Classic, the Jackie Gleason right. Desert Classic? Well, the Jackie Gleason Open, uh, Inverary Open, was Jackie Gleason's golf course home. It was right outside his window in the Miami suburb of uh, Louder Hill, the Inverary Golf Course. Uh, just about all of that is now closed, by the way. Uh, Jackie had a custom-built house built there, and he left New York City in 64 and moved to Miami, and he never uh, went back to New York, leaving behind this custom-built UFO house, as they call it, this round spaceship-looking home he had built in Peekskill, New York, right outside of New York City. Uh, 
uh, he had that sold to CBS executives, and they rented out to various people, including David Bowie in the late 1970s. Uh, oh, wow. Bowie was a huge UFO fan, and I go into a little of that, but uh, it's diverging from our uh, main story here. Well, when, when did when did Gleason become, and how did he become so fascinated uh, with ufology? I don't know exactly when that started, but on February 19th, 1954, President Eisenhower made this trip to Edwards Air Force Base to meet with some friendly aliens. That's quite a story, and the rumor went out at the time, and Jackie heard it. And that's when he started having a custom-designed home in the uh, shape of a big spaceship on the edge of a like a bluff in Peekskill. And when you were inside it and looking out these huge bay windows, it made you look like you were in a flying saucer. Jackie had it custom-built in an Air Force or an airplane hangar. And that's exactly where Eisenhower was said to have met in February of 54 with these aliens that landed on the edge of a a runway at Edwards Air Force Base. So I'm beginning to think this could have been a big start to Jackie's obsession. As you uh, were mentioning before the show, Jackie had a, a library, personal library of 1,700 paranormal books heavy on UFOs, and it's still available for the public to view at the University of Miami in a special reading room. <laughs> I don't think there was anyone in this country more obsessed with flying saucers, the paranormal, are we being visited by other creatures uh, than Jackie Gleason? He was so enthusiastic about it. And later in 55, he had himself as Ralph Crampton on the Honeymooners wear this special spaceman suit, and he announces proudly, I am the man from space, so he could go to a costume party. So that gives you more clues that Jackie was just nuts about the subject, and it was kind of risky, you know, at that point. Not all of Americans were mainstream talking about UFOs, flying saucers. You could be labeled a crackpot, and Jackie's career kind of kept him uh, from maybe coming out too openly. He would call uh, a radio station, Long John Nabel, mm -hmm. show around midnight to like 2 a.m. in New York City and talk about UFOs on the air, uh, but uh, it wasn't widely known he was obsessed with this subject. Oh, that's remarkable. Uh, do those, I wonder if those record, they must exist somewhere. You can find them on YouTube. The audio quality is terrible, mm. but you can hear Jackie's voice talking about the latest UFO stories. And to his credit, he was skeptical, skeptical of some of them, uh, including Georgia Damsky and this yes. nonsense about taking a flight to Venus with Venus people. And uh, Jackie wanted only the hard facts. And on that show, he said, I'll give... Um, $50,000 to anyone who can show me the hard proof of extraterrestrials visiting here. And over the years, that went up to half a million dollars. And by the early 70s, $1 million, he would say, to anyone that can show me the hard proof. Jackie made up to $14 million a year. So, you know, a million bucks uh, here or there uh, didn't mean that much to him. He was a free spender. So by early 73, Richard Nixon had gotten his tail caught in the crack. Uh, the Watergate scandal had exposed that uh, he had some uh, uh, henchmen that broke into the Democratic Party headquarters, and they got caught. Mm -hmm. uh, Nixon may or may not have known about that plot, but he wanted those plumbers, as they were called, the uh, the advisors who, who undertook this act, quiet. And he wanted their legal fees paid. And he is uh, caught on uh, White House tapes. He did, a, he did bug himself in the Oval Office 
And he's just furious in January of 73. Where are we going to find the hush money for these burglars? And in a few weeks afterwards, in March of 73, he's all calm. And he says, oh, I know where we can get that money. It's not a problem. So Jackie had a million dollars. Nixon needed at least a million dollars or more. So you can see the marriage here. Uh, Nixon had a lawyer named Herb Kalmbach that Jackie had once employed to do uh, a sale of the Honeymooners episodes. So they even had a mutual uh, lawyer friend uh, who later went to jail for taking big uh, bag full of money and giving it out as hush fund to various uh, uh, sources obstructing justice. He literally was the bag man for Richard. Yeah, in that case, yeah. So So we don't have it on paper that Jackie gave the money to Kalmbach, who gave it to Nixon, who ordered it distributed. But we can put two and two together and and logically come up with four. Nixon needed the money. He knew uh, Gleason was obsessed with this subject and was willing to part with a million dollars. So I think they arranged this trip to Homestead. And uh, Nixon said, what, name your price? (laughs) Gleason (laughs) said, I want to see alien bodies. That's probably, uh, in a nutshell, uh, Nixon probably asked, is this offer of $1 million still good? And and Jackie said, are you serious? I'm sure it was something like that. And they negotiated this. Uh, there's a, a canard, uh, a fabrication by a UFO researcher that Nixon showed up at Jackie's door, eluded all his Secret Service guards, two different checkpoints outside his Key Biscayne home, and drove like 45 miles from Key Biscayne in the dark at night to Jackie's home. That's not what happened. However, Remember, Nixon was or Jackie was holding a golf tournament that very day, February 19th, 1973, the exact 19th anniversary of the Eisenhower encounter with a chopper pad right behind his house. Jackie, all he had to do was take a a walk or get in a golf cart and ride right out to the golf course chopper pad where Nixon had landed that day at noon on Monday the 19th. Uh, to speak to the press and pose for photos. And that's how you see pictures of the two of them together on that very day on a golf course. So Nixon, or at least his pilot, knew the coordinates, knew how to land, uh, had landed there that afternoon. And I think he showed up there around nine o'clock, maybe at night. Uh, They took Jackie to Homestead on a short flight, maybe took 25 minutes. And uh, that's all there was to it. The rest is history. All right, we'll take a quick uh, timeout, Paul, back with more of this amazing story. Nixon, Gleason, the alien encounter. Stay with us. As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Paul Blake Smith, the new book, brand new, The Nixon-Gleason Alien Encounter. So Nixon lands on um, Gleason's estate, the helicopter pad, and uh, on February 19th, 1973, they take the 25-minute helicopter flight to Homestead Air Force Base, what then would have been required for the president of the United States to escort a citizen with, I'm guessing, you know, zero security clearance to a restricted area. Zero security clearances, uh, zero checking out. But Nixon was king of the hill in 73. All past U.S. presidents were dead. J. Edgar Hoover was dead. Alan Dulles of the CIA and his staff were dead. 
uh, it was amazing. Like Nixon was the only man left standing king of the mountain. So That's he right. did whatever he wanted. He had just scored a landslide record victory in November of 72. And he was way up in the polls, bringing the Vietnam War to a close. So if Nixon said, I'm doing this, then, you know, what are you going to do? Argue with the president of the United States? Jackie had no security clearances, but he was a good, trusted friend who had money. <laughs> so according to Beverly Gleason, uh, they landed uh, at the uh, Homestead Air Force Base, were met by armed security guards who escorted them to a lab across the base. I'm assuming they went there in a car, uh, a limo, or maybe even a military vehicle of some kind. And there was a guard with a, you know, a gun outside the uh, the laboratory and that they went inside. And apparently Nixon didn't have too much to say. He didn't want to reveal too much other than here it is, you know, and on four examining tables were four different bodies, apparently rather identical. And that uh, when Jackie got home, he was really shook up. Now, there is a report <laughs> Of all places, MeTV has a website, and they ran a story on the Nixon-Gleason encounter a few years ago. What do you think of this wild urban legend? You know, is it true? And one person wrote in uh, by the name of Frank Noon and said, not only is it true, uh, they went and toured on the base uh, an Air Force hangar that you can see from the highway when you're driving by. And inside the hangar, Nixon showed Gleason... Uh, a circular craft that they have recovered. And it was sort of alive, for lack of a better term. It was up in the air and being held down by cables. And that uh, it was your typical silver round craft. And uh, this was not something that Beverly Gleason had mentioned. And it could be a total fabrication. You know, anyone could say anything on the internet. But it's an interesting level of detail uh, that would help cause Jackie to have been so shook up uh, for days and days, maybe weeks, and uh, to say, you know, I know the government has the evidence. I saw it. Nixon showed it to me. And in later years, uh, Nixon said, you know, President Nixon or Gleason said, all I'm going to tell you is, uh, he said to a few different associates, Nixon showed me the proof, and that's that. So that's as close as he ever came to admitting the story. And uh, he died in 1987, apparently without any deathbed confession. But uh, just almost everything that was alleged could have happened. It fits together. There was a time frame. I checked the digitized records of Richard Nixon. And on February 19th, it stops at 8.30 at night. Normally, you get more. And it says a page has been removed from these files. Uh, if bingo, <laughs> there's another little uh, clue to tell you the story is true. They didn't want you to have the file uh, you know, to go and look at that uh, Nixon ordered up a chopper around 8.30 or 9 and went to Homestead and sent the chopper to uh, Jackie Gleason's house where he went there in person with him and uh, probably called him on the phone, knew Jackie was home because he's hosting this golf tournament that day. And so we know from the records they were all there in place and that Homestead was in place. And later it was destroyed by a terrible hurricane and Nixon's house was bulldozed. It's gone. And the Inverary golf course is uh, closed. And I don't know if Jackie's home is still there or not. Uh, but uh, everyone's deceased. It was over 50 years ago now. And so it's tough to find anyone who knew the facts or you, the son or daughter of someone. Uh, it was kind of a hush-hush affair. So we can piece together the circumstantial evidence. And I think it did happen.
that was the version I had heard, that he had come to Gleason's door and that he evaded, you know, the Secret Service and so forth. So you've disabused us of that notion. Where else do you think the story might break down? Uh, There's been a claim that um, Nixon, uh, or, or rather Jackie, told the whole story from his UFO house in 1986. Well, sorry, Jackie didn't own it. He sold it in 64. And uh, there was a number of other claims by some UFO people that uh, don't have very good reputations, to put it politely. And uh, some of these embellishments don't make sense when you examine them. I do examine some in my book. I don't take up too much time because uh, I want to get to the facts, not non-fiction fantasy that somebody made up. But uh, in 2003, Beverly Gleason gave her final interview on the story and said uh, for sure that... uh, Nixon did show Jackie uh, these things and that Jackie had recently heard from a U.S. astronaut from the space program, she said in its early days, that extraterrestrials were quite real and that the Nixon encounter uh, cemented things for him, that uh, this made it just proof positive in his mind. He had no doubts after that. He finally got the proof from the man himself, the commander in chief. Paul, another time out, back with uh, more of this amazing story. Stay with us. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we are back with Paul Blake Smith talking about the Nixon-Gleason alien encounter. It has often been claimed that presidents don't have a a need to know about many of these things. So, for example, uh, was it Bill Clinton claimed that, um, you know, when he first was elected, he sent up, I think it was Carl Hubble, he said, I want to find out two things, who killed Kennedy and, um, you know, what's going on in Area 51. And Hubble came back, it may be an apocryphal story, and said, you know, that he was completely stonewalled. No one would tell him anything. What do you make of that? Is there any truth to that claim? And and then, therefore, would would Nixon have had access to that kind of information? Yeah, I think presidents from Roosevelt to Reagan probably knew the truth, that we are being visited, we have the evidence, and we're, like, reverse engineering some crash retrievals, and we're studying, uh, like, airspace... uh, what you might call not interference, but transgressions by unexplained sources and such. I don't think after Reagan, too many presidents have been briefed. They have to be trusted and show an interest in it. It has to be on a need-to-know basis, and we're going along all right as a nation uh, without informing uh, Clinton, uh, Bush, uh, Obama, uh, Trump, and Biden uh, when uh, However, on TV talk shows like Stephen Colbert and uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon, Obama, Clinton, and Bush have all been on, and they get asked point blank, uh, all right, are we being visited or not? Uh, And they all give flippant answers, very, uh, you know, uh, silly answers, and they draw a few laughs. And I think at one point Obama says, well, you know, it's a matter of national security. I think there's your answer. They can't tell you. They do know some things, maybe not a lot but they do know we are being visited and they can't tell you. And they don't want to trigger a panic. They think we're all going to quit our jobs, damage the economy, run out in the street looking for aliens with a shotgun. And frankly, uh, in 1938, that's what happened. 
when the war of the world's broadcast happened uh, October 30th, 1938, Orson Welles did this radio play in which they told listeners over and over, it's just a fictional form of an old book we're putting on. But still people kind of panicked. A couple had heart attacks. People drove around in cars looking for the aliens. They were sure that we were being invaded. So America ever since has taken note of that, the American government, and they don't want to trigger a panic of any sort, uh, plunging our economy possibly into depression and having a chain reaction around the world as the Great Depression did long ago. I don't think we're that paranoid or frightened anymore. Uh, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, maybe even the 60s, aliens weren't that uh, mainstream or accepted. We didn't have too many uh, movies or comic books or books about them. But since the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we have had a lot of books, TV shows, My Favorite Martian, Mork from Mork, and uh, on and on. And uh, it's what people are talking about. Uh, and, you know, bracing themselves emotionally, psychologically for this. And uh, lots of people have shared their UFO videos online now. There's so many of them, the government can't really deny this and knock it down. Uh, it, it, uh, if you saw that 60 Minutes report uh, from like two years ago, yes. they said, uh, we see these darn things every time we go out in our planes. A, a pilot reports it every single time, they said. So it's tougher and tougher to say, well, it's the Chinese or technology we don't understand, but it's terrestrial. You know, the government probably knows a great deal, and they're trying to downplay this at least a little, but uh in today's world i really think we're braced up for the truth or disclosure as they call it well very recently we had the i guess the director of pentagons of the pentagons uh arrow that would be the uh, all domain anomaly resolution office uh make uh a pretty brazen statement saying yeah. that there could you know there could be motherships uh, out there uh you know in in uh, the the atmosphere and and uh these things that we're seeing could be, uh, you know, coming out of that mothership. They could be uh, alien craft, basically. That's quite an admission. Yeah. In 2017, there was a, a, a document leaked from dated January 1989, apparently a, a briefing for the incoming new George H.W. Bush administration. It was from the Defense Intelligence Agency. And it said, uh, among other things, yes, we're being visited. And yes, Dwight Eisenhower really did go and meet with some friendly human-like aliens. And in the early 70s, there was actual diplomatic exchanges going on during Nixon's time. Could this be a reason? I know it's speculative. I know it sounds wild. One of the reasons why Nixon just had to buy a home in Key Biscayne and fly down there 55 times. And uh, the press was always kept at bay. They didn't know what was going on back then. He was in and out of Homestead Air Force Base, where it's been alleged these bodies were. So uh, diplomatic exchange, that's pretty wild, where a few friendly aliens come out of the ship and talk to us like in an airbase office, and we take a couple of uh, military diplomats on a flight up in the space and bring them back, uh, apparently none the worse for wear, and they exchange information. And so I know that sounds pretty wild, but I think this uh, like top-secret document from 1989, it sure looks real. It's got a lot of detail. And uh, while it didn't mention specifically Mr. Nixon, 
It mentioned uh, the extraterrestrial landings and contact of the early 70s and Eisenhower, whom Mr. Nixon used to work for, remember, as vice president. That's right. I think That's Nixon right. was fairly well briefed during his vice presidency, and uh, there wasn't a lot of need to brief him on that subject when he took office. Uh, just getting back to Eisenhower and um, February 19th, 1954, Edwards Air Force Base, the report was that he... Um, he was at some other event and he had to leave. There it is, President Eisenhower's close encounters. Um, uh, that he had to leave because he had an uh, emergency dental uh, procedure or something like that. Meanwhile, he was meeting with these uh, aliens. It's also uh, rumored that, was it the, um, the, the Catholic... Uh, was it the Archbishop of Los Angeles or something was in attendance? Yes, of the Western States of America, uh, James Francis McIntyre uh, apparently got this information and he took it all the way across the country despite being warned not to talk. Uh, he took it to the Pope and there's a reporter in modern times named Cristofaro Barbato who says that I've been talking to a source in the Vatican and the story is real. They know about Eisenhower and there's even footage Black and white footage, film footage of Eisenhower meeting these uh, human-like aliens, and color footage. And at one point, uh, the aliens put on a kind of air show, a display of their craft, and the technology uh, clashed with one of the cameras and broke it down. And that footage ends abruptly. Uh, and so uh, President Eisenhower went to this Air Force base, and according to one man who was there, uh, a test pilot, who spoke out in the early 1980s, uh, the aliens were somewhat misshapen by human standards, but they were very human-like, and I call them like cousins of human beings. And they came from another world, and we're very concerned about our nuclear weapons detonating these in our air, land, and sea, in our test detonation program that Eisenhower was running and said, you don't know what you're doing to the planet, the pollution, the radiation, the contamination. And that's a threat still to this day. But they asked Eisenhower, could you please stop this program? And he said, well, I'm not going to disarm unilaterally. And apparently they formed a kind of treaty or understanding that he would work towards uh, uh, putting an end to nuclear proliferation, which didn't quite happen on his watch. President Kennedy signed that uh, uh, nuclear test ban treaty. But in exchange, Eisenhower asked them, could you please stay obscure at an arm's length? You know, don't land and show yourselves. It would cause a panic. He said, he, uh, the pilot said that Eisenhower told these human-like beings, our world is not ready for this. They're not ready for you. So they got back in their ships and apparently took off. And there may have been a second landing at Edwards. And that's where uh, James Francis McIntyre uh, the bishop of the Los Angeles area, the western region of the United States, was brought in for his uh, reaction, along with a couple of other people. And uh, it's uh, all in my book, but it is an interesting tale that he couldn't keep the secret. It was too exciting, and he took it uh, on a flight all the way to Vatican City and talked to the Pope about it. Do you believe that film is still hiding in a drawer somewhere? Well, I would imagine it's locked up in a vault, but I'd sure like to see somebody hack it and leak it. Wouldn't that be exciting? Oh, yes. You can understand why Eisenhower wanted some amount of security, if you would call it, in case something goes wrong. Let's get this on footage, you know, record it for history. And if it all went well, he might 
even show it to the American public or even in a campaign ad and say, look who the aliens decided to land and speak to of all presidents, me. Uh, Eisenhower had a pilot's license. He, he was the first American president to have one. And he was very worldly and he dealt with Foo Fighters during World War II in Europe. Very common stories I'm sure you've heard plenty of. So he was already braced up for this story. And as I point out in my book, he may well have seen a UFO while on the deck or uh, inside the like flight deck or cockpit of a um, the bridge, I guess you would call it, of the USS Franklin Roosevelt that was steaming off the coast of France in January of 52. Uh, an eyewitness who was part of that encounter on the bridge in the middle of the night says Eisenhower came up asking for a cup of coffee, couldn't sleep during the storm. They looked out the window and here was this big round silver ship hovering in the air. They were all just stunned and stood there looking at it and it lasted at least 10 or 15 minutes and took off. When Eisenhower uh, calmed himself and everyone calmed down, he said, keep this under your hat for now, gentlemen, and I'll look into it. And uh, the man who wrote the article, a military man said, we never heard about any of it again. We were just told to keep our mouth shut. So Eisenhower may have had this encounter before he ran for president and, you know, kind of braced him up. And so if Nixon ever had an encounter, you know, of seeing one, I don't know of any. But he was undoubtedly briefed during the presidency of Dwight Eisenhower and was, you know, sort of psychologically or mentally built up and challenged or uh, ready for this, accepting of this when he finally took office in January of 1969. Uh, what about the um, the story associated with the Eisenhower uh, alien encounter at Edwards Air Force Base that there was an exchange of technology uh, or a, a gift of technology from the aliens in exchange for permission uh, for an for a uh, a human abduction program? Mm. Uh, two things real quick. Uh, according to one source, I don't know if it's valid, the aliens offered to let uh, Eisenhower and his uh, circle of bodyguards into their spaceships. Eisenhower turned them down. But they did allow them, these men who were present, to pick up one of the ships that was incredibly lightweight, and they carried it around. And it was allowed to be kept at Edwards Air Force Base. And I made a note of the various stories of uh, eyewitness accounts at Edwards that say they've seen a ship in, in the decades after this 54 uh, landing. Now, uh, in this uh, 1989 briefing document, it does say Eisenhower made an agreement, and apparently part of that was to allow, grudgingly, human beings in rural areas to be picked up and looked over if, as long as there was a record made by the extraterrestrials, our friendly cousins, from another planet of who they picked up and how they put them back at, at, with no harm done. And apparently either that particular race may have violated that treaty or another race stepped in these grays, an entirely separate race, uh, took advantage of this and started abducting people left and right without any empathy or sympathy for them and conducting, conducting experiments. And this was beyond what Eisenhower agreed to with the human uh, type beings. So this story could be true. There's a man named Don Phillips who worked for Skunk Works, gave a, a video interview. You can see it on YouTube. He said, I was shown some high tech stuff that we were supposed to work on and they gave me a report. And in it was a classified document, top secret, 
that said Eisenhower met with these extraterrestrials. And in talking to them, he said, you're so advanced, how can we stop you? So they came to some sort of agreement, the best he could for our country, that we would get some technology and we would give some technology. And apparently that possibly some abductions would be allowed in, to look over people and put them back. I think that uh, treaty clause, if it was valid, and it might well be, was taken advantage of by another race or more than another race. There could be like a dozen coming here. And uh, we don't want to panic anyone to this day, but we need to face up that all these UFO sightings and all these videos, so many of them are probably quite valid. Uh, I know you can do lots of tricks with special effects and Photoshopping and all of that. So I don't believe everything I see, but I think uh, many of these are multiple sightings from different angles now. You can see of an event, uh, uh, these videos show uh, viral, they go around the world, you see them on TikTok and YouTube and such, kind of proving the point that, uh, yeah, they come in different size ships at different uh, times and places around the globe, and there's nothing we can do about it. Gordon Cooper, aerospace engineer, and he was a, a pilot. He was at Edwards Air Force Base I think in the, well, you'll tell me, I think it was the 1970s early 70s or something like that uh, with a film crew. They were filming the installation of something and they right. and they reportedly captured on film these craft, alien looking craft. Yeah. Taking he said in 55, he said, I was not there, but my crew was filming out on the desert of Edwards Air Force Base. And here came this silver spaceship came down, I think with tripod legs and rested there briefly. And they got this all on film. And then after a while, it lifted up and zip, it was gone. And he said, uh, I think he said he saw the footage, didn't he? And they packaged it up and sent it to the Pentagon. Said, we never heard back, not one peep again. But guess who was at Jackie Gleason's golf tournament? Monday, February 19th, 1973, Gordon Cooper. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, he knew Nixon. He knew Gleason. They were all there at the golf tournament that afternoon. I suspect Cooper may have known more than he did about what was being kept maybe at Homestead or others. Uh, by the 73, Cooper was based out of South Florida. Uh, he was working for a, a private company, and he and Jackie were uh, Freemasons and apparently uh, pretty good friends. So the stories all kind of link together in a chain, don't they? Absolutely. Fascinating, fascinating. Paul Blake Smith and uh, the author of President Eisenhower's Close Encounters and the brand new one, uh, Nixon, Gleason, Alien, Encounter, and how do we get a copy of either, both? You can go to my publishers at foundationsbooks.net, or you can go to Amazon, and there'll be an audio version out pretty soon from Tantor.com. Fantastic. Paul, great meeting you. Great speaking with you. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.